Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. Last week I spoke about pricing and this week I want to pick up on secondary sources of income. And by that I mean the additional products and services that can be offered by portable restroom operators to increase their revenue and yield. Before we get on to that, I'd like to thank Dom Van Berlo for his continued support and regular feedback on the show, and I'd like to give special thanks to everyone who's been in touch with inquiries and suggestions about sponsorship and advertising on the show. If you want your company or brand to be part of Get Flushed, please email me at info at getflushed.online or send a message through Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. So far in Get Flushed, I've focused predominantly on the supply and service of regular portable toilets, the plastic cabins that you see pretty much everywhere. There's no doubt that running a fleet of portable toilets can keep the operator busy and generate enough revenue to make the business profitable, providing, of course, the owner keeps an eye on cost and charges the right price. In my travels and conversations, I've come across a lot of pros that offer extra products and services alongside toilets. And with that in mind, I want to use today to look at some of those extras and ask whether they add value or disrupt the primary function of the business. The phrase stick to the knitting is most often credited to Tom Peters, who used it in his book In Search of Excellence way back in 1982. In using the phrase, Tom argued that excellent organisations focus on their core purpose. They don't get distracted by putting valuable time and effort into activities that don't really fit with the primary business of the organisation. When I read for my MBA, asking whether companies had drifted off track was one of the critical tools I used to analyse case studies, and I think it's still a relevant approach today. When I think about ancillary or secondary products or services in the portable sanitation industry, I'd like to classify them into two broad groups. Convergent or complementary lines that fit well alongside portable toilets and are an extension of portable sanitation services, and divergent or diverse lines that are not sanitation-based. We'll start with the complementary ones first. The most obvious way to expand and grow your business is to add more toilets, not just more of the same, but different models that will appeal to a broader spectrum of users. An obvious example would be an accessible unit that allows wheelchair or mobility-impaired access. Now, these are typically housed in larger cabins than your normal portable toilet, They take up more space on the truck, but with the right technique, they can be delivered, serviced and picked up without needing any extra equipment or additional staff. Another example would be trailerised units, where you mount a standard portable toilet or two on a towable trailer. This allows the customer to collect them from the yard, take them to their venue and bring them back at the end of the hire. Again, you don't need any extra staff, although you do need to make sure that you manage the maintenance and repair of the trailers. And that requires full checks every time the trailer goes out or is returned, mainly because if there's an accident, your name's on the side of the toilet. Another option would be a higher spec toilet that's suitable for more upmarket events like weddings. These could have a nicer or larger cabin, be freshwater flushing, have a hand basin or have extras like lights and mirrors. Another extra that's been in great demand since the emergence of COVID have been hand basins. Now these can be mounted internally inside the portable toilet cabin or be standalone units that sit outside. Hand basins are a really easy fit for portable restroom operators. You don't really need any extra equipment 
and the grey waste can be collected in the same tank and the same truck and it can be discharged at the same wastewater treatment work or into the same sewer outlet as the toilet waste. The downside is that you'll need to carry more fresh water to fill the reservoir on the basin and if it's fitted inside the toilet and drains into the tank, you'll reduce the capacity of the toilet itself. That could actually work in your favour because it will mean you'll need to service the toilet more often. Alternatively, you could invest in larger capacity toilets like the Merlin Ultra, which holds nearly 400 litres of waste, but that would mean you'd need to add a crane on your truck in order to deliver it and collect it from site without causing injury or harm. Another commonly seen added extra is a standalone urinal. Now these are designed to allow a large number of men to take a leak in a relatively short period of time. They're commonly used at events, especially where alcohol is served, or on jobs where there are a large number of males on site. Again, you don't need any extra equipment or gear. Moving on, we could add luxury towable restrooms, standalone showers, or even welfare units that incorporate a toilet, a urinal, maybe a shower, and other facilities that allow users to take a lunch break or smoko. With the exception of the larger luxury towables, you can pretty much deliver, service and collect all of these products using the same staff, vehicles and equipment. You don't really need to invest in any extra lines. All of these are complementary extensions to portable sanitation. We're still dealing with temporary hygienic solutions where no permanent infrastructure exists. And more often than not, you're likely to sell these products and services to customers who already hire your toilets. Offering complementary products and services that don't need additional equipment, staff or expertise makes a lot of sense, especially if they allow you to increase the value of existing sales or bring in new customers that you wouldn't normally serve. My second classification for add-ons to the portable restroom business were divergent or diverse products that are not sanitation based. One of the most commonly found pairings I've seen is temporary fencing. Here in New Zealand, covenants and planning rules require new build homes to be fully fenced during construction. The average size of a residential section here is 600 square metres, and given that most builders erect a wooden fence along the back and sides of the property, you can usually enclose a 20 metre street frontage with less than 9 or 10 2.5 metre wide panels. Some fencing systems use clamp to hold those fence panels together. They need to be tightened with a rattle gun or a spanner but many systems can be installed without tools, you just need to carry and place the panels and the feet. Once installed, temporary fencing usually remains on site until the end of the build. That gives you good passive income that requires little attention or maintenance once it's been installed. On a survey of subdivisions, I've found that two or three companies here have both a toilet and a fence on every single job. If they're charging one or two dollars per meter per week, they've increased the revenue on each job by as much as 30 or 40 dollars. On its own, that's fairly modest, but when you've got over 100 toilets on site, that revenue soon begins to add up. The downside of temporary fencing is that you have to buy it. It takes up room in the yard and it will take up room on your truck. It will also take time to set up and install and time to remove at the end of the job. But once it's on site, it will be there for a long time. It will generate passive income for as long as six months and require little attention or maintenance once it's been installed. In New Zealand, there are no regulations or compliance standards for temporary fencing beyond the general requirement to comply with the Health and Safety at Work Act, and that means not doing anything likely to cause harm to yourself or anyone else. That means the barriers to entry, forgive the pun, are very low, 
And for that reason, we've seen a growing number of toilet companies start to offer temporary fencing. And interestingly, we've also seen a number of fencing companies offer portable toilets. Another logical addition to temporary fencing are low pedestrian barriers, especially if you supply toilets to events. They can be plastic or metal, either lightweight aluminium or heavier gauge steel, and they're usually about a metre high and maybe two metres long. Now they're easy enough to move and install, they often link together with just loops on one end and pins on the other, but they can be heavy and moving lots of barriers does require extra labour, an extra truck or an extra trailer. Now they might only generate modest income, especially as lots of events this year have been cancelled, but you could also hire them to civil construction firms or roading projects. Now there are strict rules here about the colour and dimensions of pedestrian barriers and I know several businesses that have been caught out because they bought non-compliant barriers that cannot be used on public footpaths or roads. Talking of roads, the next product that I would add in this category are road barriers. These are usually very large plastic barriers that are often filled with water and joined together with steel pins. You see them along the side of the freeway or the highway. In Australia and New Zealand, these barriers need to be mash rated, which is a system used to certify their ability to deflect vehicles moving at speed. Now we're really starting to get away from the core business of portable sanitation here. These barriers cannot be carried on the toilet truck. They usually weigh more than 60 or 70 kilos a piece, plus the water if you have to fill them. And you're definitely going to need extra staff and an extra vehicle in order to carry and install them. You're also going to need a certified operator who's licensed to install temporary barriers along the road. Despite those extra complications, the returns for road barriers can be quite high because they're usually installed in large numbers, especially if you have to create a safe corridor along both sides of the live lane and both sides of an active work area, and they can go on hire for many months. The downside is that they're expensive to buy, somewhere around $900 a piece for barriers made locally here in New Zealand, and they're hugely vulnerable to damage from passing vehicles. A close pass from a truck can be enough for a wheel nut to tear the barriers, and any barriers that don't hold water are non-compliant, so they have to be removed from site. The next products I've seen offered by portable restroom operators are waste bins and skips. And on the face of it, these are a much closer fit because like toilets, they're used to carry waste. And there are a number of similarities between long-term skip hire and long-term portable toilet hire. Of course, in most jurisdictions, you will need an extra license to carry solid waste and a separate authority to dump out an approved facility. Skip trucks are also purpose-built, so you'll have to make a fairly substantial investment if you want to add skip bins to your portable restroom operation but there are huge benefits in offering a bundled package, toilet, fencing and skip, to your residential building customers. That's a good point to mention scaffolding and safety nets. Unlike fencing, scaffolding is highly regulated in New Zealand, and it has to be installed and certified by qualified personnel. That means that scaffolding work is usually completed by specialist teams because it carries much higher levels of liability and risk than temporary fencing, which can often be erected by a sanitation driver who's only received basic training. Although the barriers to entry for scaffolding and nets are much higher, they tend to be on site for an extended period of time, so the returns are quite good. But for me, it would be a bridge too far. The last category I want to mention here are products and services that improve safety and security on site. 
Talking with friends in the industry, it seems that more and more portable restroom operators are starting to hire surveillance cameras, security lights and power poles, and I can really see the attraction. All of those options provide temporary answers in the absence of a more permanent solution, so there is a natural overlap with portable sanitation. Of course, anything electrical needs to be serviced and installed by a licensed electrician, and programming a CCTV system is way beyond the skills of a middle-aged operator like me. But these systems are starting to become more and more common. Some of that is driven by insurance companies who often require that all practicable steps are taken to protect work sites overnight and at weekends. And again, the deployment tends to go on for many weeks, so the returns are quite good. Now I've given a very simple overview of two categories that I've used to identify additional or ancillary products and services commonly offered by portable restroom operators. It wasn't meant to be a definitive list because, of course, there'll always be someone who's doing something else. My reason for creating the list was to ask whether or not it's actually worth the time, money and effort. The key question is, does it make sense to take on extra work? I'm really in two minds about whether there are benefits in diversifying your portable sanitation portfolio. Yes, it makes sense to broaden the range of products that you provide because that gives you greater flexibility, adaptability and it potentially lowers your exposure to risk. At the same time, many of those add-ons actually sit really well side by side with toilets and that means you're likely to end up supplying the same customer or at least the same type of customer. If the revenue is greater than the cost, of course it makes sense to diversify. Then again, I'm a great advocate of sticking to the knitting. Do one thing, portable sanitation, and do it well. In a shrinking or competitive market, you may not be able to grow your market share with your existing products, so diversification makes a lot of sense. That said, it's also worth noting that specialist products also require specialist staff, specialist tools and specialist equipment. And there's also the issue of liability if things go wrong. I'm not saying those are reasons why you shouldn't diversify, but you need to assess whether the extra revenue is worth the extra liability and risk. The other aspect to consider is whether or not existing systems will cope with additional products and services. Ideally, you want a seamless integration where you can track those extra assets, record customer data, log the jobs, schedule delivery, arrange the pickup and process the invoice at the end of the job. The last thing you want is to set up a second system that creates another layer of work. OK, that's all I've got time for today. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed.